Father Robert Gooch earned a PhD in education from the University of Pittsburgh, a master's in education from Duke University, and a BA from St. Vincent College. He was ordained in 1964 in the Diocese of Pittsburgh and has since retired, I believe in 2008. Among his ministries, he has served as pastor of St. Scholastica Parish in Pittsburgh. He's been dean of the Allegheny Valley Deanery, diocesan director for parish reorganization and revitalization, assistant superintendent of schools, and many more jobs. Father Robert Dutch met Bishop Fritz Lobinger many years ago. It is Bishop Lobinger's model that we will discuss tonight. Since meeting the bishop, Father Dutch has been a proponent of the Lobinger model as a way forward in a church where we have fewer priests. So I'm going to turn this over to Father Dutch. Thank you very much. Welcome. Uh, and thank you uh, for inviting me to, to speak to you and all of you about the Lobinger model. Uh, I'd like to uh, tell you, first of all, how improbable it was that I, a priest in Pittsburgh, PA, USA, and Bishop Fritz Lobinger in Alawal, South Africa, met. I believe the God of Providence was at work. I just finished reading his book, Like His Brothers and Sisters, Ordaining Community Leaders, and I was intrigued by his creative proposals for resolving the crisis of the shortage of priests. As a result, I had a nervous desire to discuss this topic with him, and so I decided to call the Chantry in Alawal, South Africa, in December 2007. I dialed the phone number, introduced myself, and told the person on the other end of the phone the reason for my call. I asked if I could have the bishop's phone number so I could speak directly to him. And so to my surprise and amazement, the voice on the other end of the phone said, this is Bishop Lobinger. After taking a few seconds to compose myself, I expressed my feelings of excitement and optimism about his proposals. I asked what I could do to promote his ideas. He was promoting an idea that was being considered by the world's bishops in the 1971 World Synod of Bishops, Viri Prabhati, an idea that has resurfaced this past week. The ideas he expressed in his first book evolved into his promotion of teams of elders. So I believe God truly does work in mysterious ways. Bishop Loberger believes the church is facing some big problems. <clears throat> Bad news is there is a scarcity of priests. The good news, however, is many laity are not waiting to be served, but are ready to serve. They're ready to use their charisms in service to the church. Secondly, for decades, parishioners became passive because they expected the priests to do everything, and in some quarters, the bad news is they still expect the priests to do everything. However, the good news is dormant parishioners are becoming less passive and more active, and arguably, there is a lack of a spiritual formation of the faithful. Bishop Lovinger believes these problems are actually opportunities for each mature community to have its own team of ordained elders. A mature community is a self-ministering parish community. Describe a mature community in detail in a few minutes. In each mature community, a small team of three, five, or more could be ordained to preside over the life of the community and over its liturgies, teams of elders. The Eucharist would be conducted not by one of them, but always by two or three elders, while the rest of the elders would join worshipers in the pews. They take turns in order to provide variety and in order to avoid overburdening anybody. 
All ordained elders continue to live their daily lives with their families, and they continue to work at their secular jobs. The role of a full-time priest is being reconceptualized. His main role is animator and formator of elders and parish leaders. I will also address these two concepts in a few minutes. The Bishop Slovinger's motto is, every community its own team of elders. This is what St. Paul did when he founded New Christian Communities, Acts 14, verse 23. In each of these churches, they appointed elders. He believes the reason why the early church designed the life of Christian communities in this way was not because it was impossible to send a full priest from somewhere else. The reason was rather that each community should use the charisms which the Spirit had given to their own members. Therefore, he says, we should do so today for the same reason. The shortage of priests is a reality and a pearl that cannot be ignored. It is past time for thoughtful dialogue to replace the silence that has prevailed on this issue. But the question is, can a first century concept found in the Acts of the Apostles be a solution to the shortage of priests? If prayerful men and women gather to discuss this idea, I have no doubt that the Spirit will be there to guide all of us. So how does this team of elders differ, first of all, from the Viri Prabhati? Teams of elders would work in combination with existing priests instead of replacing them. The earlier proposal of Viri Prabhati envisaged the ordination of one proven person at a place where there was no priest, doing most of what the priest had done before. This caused people to understand this concept as a kind of replacement for the missing priest. Combination means that both are needed, both feel needed. This proposal also safeguards the position of the existing celibate priest. In practice, this means that the team of elders conduct a complete normal liturgical life of the community, Sunday liturgies, baptisms, funerals, care of the sick, and so on. The team will govern the parish community through the parish pastoral council. This includes the normal tasks of administration. The diocese will regulate how administrative tasks will be accomplished. However, the jurisdiction for the sacrament of reconciliation is a different matter. It is an established principle that regular private confessions should not be administered by somebody with whom one is closely associated. This will in many cases lead to the rule that elders should normally not administer the form of that sacrament, which includes individual confessions. However, as we all know, canon law allows for a group absolution. Full-time priests will be formator priests. They will conduct ongoing formation sessions for the elders. The sessions will include evaluation, planning and training, and resolving problems. The full-time priest will also visit individual parishes from time to time to celebrate the Eucharist together with the elders and to meet with parish leaders and parishioners, just as the bishop tries to visit parishes of the diocese. Formator priests will make such visits as representatives of the bishop and celebrate the Eucharist in parishes from time to time as the bishop would. So a very critical question is, what is your vision of church? The shortage of priests prompts us to examine the state of church ministry. <clears throat> However, the shortage of priests is only the trigger, according to Bishop Lovinger. This is the starter motive. The shortage of priests has forced us to ask ourselves, what is our vision of church? Who are we as members of the church? 
If the answer is we are people who have to be cared for, never mind by whom, then this distorted vision can lead to all kinds of strange solutions, such as looking for any kind of substitute for the missing parish priest. If, however, the answer is we are, all, we are called by Christ, we're all called and we're all sent, we have talents and charisms in our midst and want them to be used, then this vision of church will lead to an ever-increasing share sharing in the ministry. The, uh, the vision of church is decisive. The key idea should always be every parish community should bring forth its own ordained team of elders. I'd like to tell you, give you an example of what's happening in Pittsburgh to illustrate the critical issue of a dwelling priesthood. And of course, this situation is not unique to Pittsburgh. In our diocese, the projected number of priests in several years will be less than 100. Now contrast this statistic with the Pittsburgh Chancery Report released way back in 1949 that showed we had 800,000 Catholics and 1,224 priests. 1,024 priests. And in a few years, we'll have less than 100. And also, diocesan officials, diocesan officials now tell us the 250 parishes will be reduced to 59 parishes in three years. So many people are disturbed by this alarming situation. However, some of us believe the Holy Spirit is providing the church with a positive opportunity as evidenced by the commitment and dedication of the laity to their parishes. The laity love their parishes. God bless the laity for preventing church walls from tumbling down, as in the walls of Jericho. I'd also like to share... One incident, I was going to share two, but for the sake of uh, time restraints, I'd like to share just one incident that I had as a re retired itinerary priest that highlights some repercussions of absent clergy. Parishioners at one parish told me when a priest is not available for Sunday Mass, the laity conduct a communion service which they enjoy. No priest, no liturgy of the Eucharist, no homily, 15 minutes, they're going home. And so what attitudes are we creating when we underserve our laity and provide them with the minimum? Minimalism under, undermines a person's faith. Teams of elders can help resolve this dilemma. A team of elders will be fully committed to one parish, merged or not. Elders will continue to live in the community where they have been residing. There may be several former parishes within a new network of a merged parish. Each team of elders who live in that community will serve in that parish community. They already have strong bonds with fellow parishioners. Fellow parishioners trust them because they have elected them to be their elders. Moreover, young elders on a team of elders would be available to interact with children and young adults and millennials. All elders will know their grieving neighbors and grieve with them. They will know their neighbors' children and be their teachers and role models. They will be brothers and sisters in Christ. Bishop Lobinger believes the crisis can be used as a stepping stone to help the church evolve and grow into a participatory church. It will require imagination and creativity. Present-day prophets are scrutinizing the signs of the times, and I believe Bishop Lobinger is one of these prophets. Prophecy, creativity, pragmatism, accommodation are required at this time in the church's history to resolve some of its glaring problems. We can also learn what to do now about the priest shortage by looking at what was successful in the past. When we look at the history of the church, we often find an approach that was pragmatic. 
changes and innovations were made, different situations arose. And then theological, theological reasoning was devised to justify new structures. So in those formative years in the early church, two kinds of ordained leaders led the followers of Christ, the visiting apostles and also the local teams of elders. Bishop Fritz Lobinger makes the case for doing what the early church did. He encourages the church to ordain a group of proven leaders, a team of elders in every well-developed community. Each team would minister only in their own community. Teams and elders and their parish communities would have the oversight of full-time diocesan priests. In this structure, there are two kinds of priests, both a full-time diocesan priest and a part-time team of elders. Both would administer the sacraments and preach the gospel. Bishop Lovinger makes it clear, however, that he does not want elders to be substitutes for a missing priest. To the contrary, he wants the church to establish a new form of ordained local leaders with a specific requirement that they live and work in their own community. If this idea were implemented, we would certainly have a different kind of church, a church that could provide plenty of competent and faithful leaders, readily accessible to parishioners in each Catholic community. Among other positive effects, teams of elders would assure us of the Eucharist, the central sacrament of our faith, the source and summit of our spiritual lives would be available to us on a regular basis. According to Bishop Lobinger, the basic principle of teams of elders is that they are a very different community-based form of the one priesthood, emerging from within a community and being part of its life. Teams of elders would work together with diocesan priests instead of replacing them. The church would create two different kinds of vocations. It would be the same sacrament of holy orders lived out in different forms. The concept of team of elders is not a stopgap measure to alleviate the shortage of priests. It is a refreshing new vision of a participatory church. Bishop Lovinger has begun the dialogue by promoting a pragmatic, creative, theologically and scripturally sound proposal that deserves consideration. In the March 2010 issue of U.S. Catholic, the cover story, Homegrown Clergy, one bishop, Bishop Lohberger, makes the case for a new kind of priesthood. The U.S. Catholic subscribers responded to the concept with enthusiasm. Here are two responses. 65% believe that ordaining elders is a good way to solve the priest shortage. 67% agree that bishops should be empowered to implement local, local solutions to the priest shortage, such as elders, rather than having to wait for a universally accepted solution from Rome. <clears throat> These are signs that a large percentage of Catholics are open to a second kind of priesthood. However, more dialogue is needed. The bishops at the Second Vatican Council spoke of the need for the Church to respond to the signs of the times. When we look around, we see some signs that Bishop Lebinger's idea is one whose time has come. The first obvious sign is the large number of competent, faithful ecclesial ministers who are currently serving their own parishes in a variety of ministries. They are doing virtually everything the priests and bishops do except preside at Mass, hear confessions, anoint the sick, administer sacraments, holy orders, and confirmation. Given the present numbers of lay ecclesial ministers, we actually have a superabundant pool of candidates for teams of elders. 
And so the question I ask is, is God challenging us to become a different kind of church? The church has not been a static entity. For 2,000 years, it has evolved and adapted to the culture and the spirit of the times. While its human structures change to best meet the needs of God's people, the mission and the message have remained the same. St. Thomas More said that tradition is the adaptation to changing kinds of society of the one fundamental message. God is challenging us to be the kind of church that is needed for this time for these people. A new vision of church is at stake. It is the same sacrament of holy orders for two different roles. This is not an emergency plan. It is not a transitional measure that will be abandoned if one day we were to have a sufficient number of full-time priests. Each community should use the charisms which the Spirit has given to their own members. Even if we would have many vocations to the priesthood in the future, teams of elders would remain in their parish communities. Church leaders will cause great harm to the church if they continue to do the same things over and over and over again and expect different results. Isn't this Einstein's definition of insanity? And also, remember what Adam remarked to Eve as they were driven from the Garden of Eden. My dear, we're entering into a period of transition. As dioceses develop consultative planning processes to transition into restructured parishes and ministries and reconceptualize roles of its ordained and non-ordained ministers, tradition must be related faithfully, yet there must be a creative response to the needs of new demands in present and future generations. Change is an ongoing aspect of life. Change is a cyclical process of genesis, growth, breakdown, and disintegration leading to a new genesis. Arguably, our church is in a process of breakdown and disintegration, hopefully leading to a new genesis. So as in every time in culture, the church is always called upon to adapt to the changing needs of men and women in a Christian community. Church leaders have the responsibility to discern what needs to change, what needs to remain stable and constant. When we are sealed on our past, we prevent God from doing something new in our lives. The very ground is shifting beneath us. What is called for is nothing less than all of us to reconceptualize our roles. Bishop Lobinger is reconceptualizing our roles. He is thinking about who we can become. He believes our problems are opportunities for each mature community to have its own team of ordained elders. Bishop Lobinger emphasizes the needs for always ordaining three, four, even more as a team. This means they should not want to work alone. Working as a team, they would not be overburdened. They would provide more variety if liturgies are led in rotation by different persons on a team. A team concept would attract community-minded candidates and discourage lone wolves. A team can include younger candidates as well as older candidates. A team can adjust to the changing times more easily than one person. When somebody becomes less suitable, that person can step back. So, step one. Before a community can even begin to think about having a team of elders, it must be a mature community, a self-ministering community, a full ministry community. It must be a parish that is vibrant and vital, having small faith communities, active ministries, teams for leading their liturgies, catechetical leaders, youth leaders, not a parish with passive parishioners, but parishioners who are involved and committed. Bishop Lovinger believes strongly that this is the indispensable step one. 
We are not waiting for someone to come from outside the parish to do all this for us. Together, we continue the mission of Christ. This also means that the majority of parishioners, what I call the critical mass, have overcome the stage where they prefer to be served by a priest who comes to them from outside the parish community. He believes that many parishes have already become self-ministering communities. So I ask you, what do you think? I personally know of parishes that are self-ministering. I hope you can identify some as well. That's step one. Parishes must be in the stage of readiness. Step two, the ordination of a team of elders can become a reality when several criteria have been fulfilled. The faithful have become a safe a self-ministering community and have proved to be such for a number of years. The bishop and a large part of the diocese have become convinced of this development. The leaders and the priests have accepted the principle of ongoing formation. The priest is willing and prepared to become an animator of parish communities and the formator of the local leaders. Before a diocese asks for permission to ordain elders, priests must be ready to assume roles of animators and formators. They would conduct retreats and training sessions for elders and candidates. This does not mean these new roles are their only roles. Ways must be found for them to carry out their traditional roles, such as preaching and sacramental roles. However, some priests might be asking, do they still need us if elders are doing all the things we used to do? Some may see this attitude as a major challenge for accepting the whole theory of teams of elders. And so how do we preserve the fundamental idea that a priest will continue to do what he has always been ordained to do, preside at Eucharist, preach the gospel, forgive sins, anoint sick, and so on. Ways must be found to assure priests that he is still a priest without feeling redundant. Specific answers to these questions will, will provide a stronger argument for priests to accept teams of elders. And what are some of the other possible reactions to all of this? We have known no other form of priesthood than what we have today. Many people find it difficult to accept the idea of a new kind of ordained person who is very similar to them, and as a matter of fact, one of them. There will be resistance. Some resistance will come from priests. Women also, women also will ask, I'm sorry, women will ask only why only proven men and not proven women are admitted. Women will rightly point out that among the proven members of the Christian community, women are certainly the majority. Bishop Loverger believes the first hurdle to be taken must be inclusion of women in the diaconate, which is now open to debate. And, of course, the major obstacle is church law prevents women from ordained priesthood. Militant conservatives will react forcefully. They have strongly opposed the changes in the church since the Second Vatican Council. The possibility of a change in the ordained ministry will be alarming to them. They could refuse to receive the sacraments from married elders. They may also threaten to find their own traditional priests. Bishop Logner believes that elders should not be called father, but Mr. So-and-so, like all other people without any special title. Many people will feel uncomfortable about this. They will remember vividly that the priest was always different from the rest of the congregation. The two forms of priesthood are purposely different and complement each other. The principle should not be as similar as possible, but rather as different as possible. The ordination is identical. The appearance is different. And so we must also define the roles of deacons in the church when teams of elders are introduced. <clears throat> People ask elders, are you a priest? Bishop Rogner believes they should reply, we are elders of the community. 
They will explain that they have been ordained by the bishop in the same way as the priest and add that in their parish there's no longer a full-time priest. So let's look quickly at specifically how elders and priests are similar and yet different. Priests serve a wider region and reside a regional center, while elders live in the community. Both are priests, but some are called priests, others are called elders. Both are ordained by the same sacrament of holy orders. Both proclaim the gospel in the name of the church. Both administer the sacraments. Both lead the community with and under the bishop. Both are ordained for the whole of their life. Priests are sent to any of the parishes of the diocese, while elders will only serve the community where they live. Priests are called to serve the church by being totally available, forsaking marriage and family. Elders are called to serve the church by being involved in people's lives, in their secular jobs, and family. If they travel to other parishes, they will not exercise their office there. Priests and elders complement each other and work in a combined, collaborative way. They will need one another. Individual promotion is not available to elders. Also, elders must not preside alone. They must preside as a team. They rotate. A single elder does not continually preside. We must not make the mistake of heaping all the community's tasks on the elders. Each parish council will be responsible to determine how the tasks can be shared among the elders, deacons, and ecclesial ministers. The guiding principle should be, what can this person do for the good of the parish community? Elders should not be given stipends for their services. Salaries from their secular jobs will sustain them and their families. However, full-time priests who have no other sources of income would receive appropriate salaries. If the present trend continues, we will have many elders and fewer priests. This partnership will be sound if it is based on a correct numerical ratio. For instance, in a large number in a large network of parishes, there could be 40 elders and two animator priests, a ratio of 20 to 1. Some places the ratio may be 15 to 1 or 50 to 1 or 60 to 2. Let's also face reality. There are parishes where community building is difficult or improbable. In some parish communities, people don't even want to talk about ordination of elders. They are not in a stage of readiness, but we should not be discouraged by this. In many parishes, it is possible. Begin with them. In a pilot project, that's what Bishop Loberger uh, suggested, beginning with local pilot projects. In a pilot project, the establishment of teams of elders can remain confined to one diocese without affecting a neighboring diocese. Bishop Loebinger has published a model application for the ordination of elders that could be presented to the Pope. This proposal does not ask for a worldwide change. It will only be introduced in a few dioceses that are in a stage of readiness. Apparently, Pope Francis welcomes conference of bishops to submit requests to him. This effort will fail if the target vision is not sufficiently clear. This is why we need much more discussion and reflection on the exact aim of our undertaking. <clears throat> Bishop Loger admits the project is more complex than at first thought. The reluctance of people to change is more powerful than one would have expected. The old form of ministry is more deeply ingrained in us than it had at first appeared. Too many of us tend to leave this reflection to bishops and authorities in Rome. We can only develop relevant forms of ordained and non-ordained ministries when more people reflect and dialogue together. When we're able to answer the question, what ministries are needed to develop self-ministering parish communities, 
then we will be able to design relevant forms to meet these needs. One form might be teams of elders. Form follows function. Bishop Lobinger strongly believes people of a day long for participation. Even where there's no shortage of vocations, we have to search for patterns of ministry which are more participatory. The crucial question for him is the principle. Why are we considering the possibility of ordaining local leaders as elders? Our motive should be the principle of participation. Participation will lead to more and more responsibility. It will eventually lead to the ordination of some proven members of the community. The community will nominate its candidates. The bishop will decide and ordain. So to repeat, accepting the principle of participation is crucial. Participation is being rediscovered gradually today. Bishop Lobinger asked us to look at the isolated church communities in Africa, where he was bishop, and in Asia. He calls them the young churches, in contrast to the old churches of Europe. The young churches never had a resident priest. Therefore, they never got the idea that all ministry lies in the hands of the priest, who was sent to them from outside their own community. A shortage of priests was the way it was. It was virtually, virtually impossible to provide a priest for each community because of this shortage. The bishops of those areas, full of the spirit of Vatican II, reacted by telling the communities to fulfill as many tasks as could be done without ordained priests. Thus, the pattern of self-ministering communities came into being. It became a widespread pattern followed by half of the church and hundreds of dioceses and the young churches. Practically all parishes consist of no other pattern than this one. Something else happened. In the diocese of North America and Europe, vocations dropped drastically at the same time. It is no longer possible to say the church is envisioning a resident priest for every parish. Instead, the church will realize that this emerging phenomenon may actually be the plan of God. I'd like to repeat that. The church may realize that this emergency phenomenon may actually be the plan of God. Through the shortage of priests, God may be reminding us that in past centuries, the role of the ordained was exaggerated, while the role of the local community was undervalued. God's principle is wide participation. So the final question is this, what can we do? We priests and laity must convince our United States Conference of Bishops to submit a letter to Pope Francis requesting permission to conduct a pilot study in mature parishes in specific dioceses that are in a stage of readiness. We should look around for parishes and dioceses where we have mature parishes, where some pilot projects of ordaining elders are feasible. Many are not ready, some are. They will be a sign and symbol for others who are not yet open or ready to accept teams of elders. Let some individual dioceses and parishes that are ready go ahead so that new legislation can follow later. The Holy Spirit will guide us. Thank you for listening. I'll be glad to entertain any questions you may have. Thank you so much, Father Deutsch. That is your pre- your presentation was so clear. Um, just before, I'm going to open this up for questions because I'm sure there are tons of questions out there. Um, I just I was just wondering, has this? You know, you said Father or, or Bishop Lobinger was was you know, of course, in the African Church. Uh, did were there models of this? piloted in any place? I mean, there's there's not been any official Not model officially, like no. 
Now, okay, in his own but, parishes, he tried to convince his priests that uh, that they be more participatory, but he never received uh, official permission to do this. No. Okay, and then the other question I have is: Has so do I understand you to say there is an official sort of proposal that, and has anybody ever tried to get our U.S. bishops in the past to begin a, a dialogue about this or to propose that there would be a pilot? Has anybody tried to do that? No, not to my not not to my knowledge, but Bishop Lovering has been talking to uh, to bishops, especially in South America and in Brazil and in Africa, trying to convince them to uh, uh, write a proposal. But Bishop Lovering, according to his information with the Pope, uh, the information is that the Pope will entertain a proposal if the conference of bishops would submit a proposal, not individual bishops, but a conference of bishops. Conference. Okay. Excellent. Okay, so now I have opened up the lines because I'm sure there are lots of questions out there. So again, I'm just going to remind you when you want to ask a question, you press your star six, which will unmute you. You'll uh, just say your name and then ask your question. And uh, then we ask you that uh, when that, that question is answered, that you would press the star six again so we can keep that background noise down. So go ahead, somebody who wants to ask that first question. Joe Healy in Nairobi, Kenya. Can you hear me? I can. Yes. Uh, I'd like to, uh, if I may, first congratulate uh, Father Tucci on his very clear and challenging presentation. I'm a Merino missionary priest based in Nairobi, Kenya, and I've worked with Bishop Lovinger for 30 years. Oh, wonderful. I've hosted him here in Nairobi. And I visited him four or five times in South Africa. So if you allow me just a couple of minutes to give a little more context for uh, Africa, is that okay? Oh, please, please, absolutely. Uh, we have a little different language here, but uh, Father Dush described it very, very clearly, but we call it the Eucharistic famine. That We see that is the issue today. Research shows that on a given Sunday, in Africa, of the millions of Catholics who go to a church, to a physical building, only 20% actually participate in mass celebrated by a priest. 80% go to what is called the Sunday service without a priest, conducted by a catechist or a lay leader. So this is crucial. How do we respond to the Eucharistic famine in Africa and the world today? If I'm allowed to say one day I was talking to Bishop Lobinger in South Africa, and he pulled out a letter that he showed me from Cardinal Ratzinger in Rome, when Ratzinger was the uh, head of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. And it was a challenging letter. And we have to challenge the authorities in Rome back. The letter said, Father Lopinger, you are not allowed to talk about this topic of the team of elders. It is not part of the Catholic Church tradition and theological discussion. Well, Lopinger said, we have to challenge that, and we have to speak the truth to power. In other words, it's coming from the grassroots where change is going to occur, not in Rome, in the offices in Rome. And what I think is crucial for 
Bishop Lobinger is, with all respect, Father Douche, we don't talk about parishes in Africa. We talk about outstations and small Christian communities. And mm-hmm. so for Lobinger, the parish is a network or communion of these small Christian communities, many scattered in rural areas. And the key for him, as you said, is this team of elders stays in their own local area and it's networked through the parish and the diocese. But I think it's a new model. And right now, if you want to ask, what is the biggest challenge for us? We can't get our national bishops' conferences to agree to a proposal to the Pope. Bishop Ken Darling in South Africa said, the South Africa bishops' conference is split on Lobinger's proposal. So the Pope is saying, yes, we desperately need pastoral solutions to the Eucharistic famine, but he wants a consensus from the local bishops' conferences. We're not getting that yet in Africa, but we hope the place that it will start is Brazil, especially the Synod on the Amazon in 2019. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for your insights. That's very valuable insights that you've provided us. Did you have yes. any response to him, Father Duch, at all? Yes, or? well, yeah, well, it is a dilemma. I know there are bishops that are certainly trying to promote this idea because they realize uh, the difficulties they're facing without the, uh, uh, the sufficient numbers of priests. And, um, and in Brazil, a bishop uh, just recently, within this past week, has uh, uh, spoken to the Pope or wrote him a letter uh, asking him if they could uh, have Viri Pramati. And so this discussion is uh, is being uh, ensued right now. Um, but it's it's up to us lay, uh, lay people and priests to really continue to to dialogue with our bishops to try to convince them that uh, the laity are, are are being punished and penalized because they do not have sufficient opportunities to the sacraments, especially Eucharist. And and I I don't I don't know why some of the bishops still have their heads in the sand and they're, they're not facing reality. So I think we have to pray and we have to continue to prod them to uh, to do something about this. And teams of elders seems to be a, a reasonable and a practical solution. Yeah. Very good. Uh, thanks, Joe. I really appreciate uh, your comments as well. Uh, another question. Must have been too clear. <laughs> uh, it was great. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit for people to unmute. Yeah. But if people Other do have, if people do have questions, they, they can all, always uh, email me. My email sure. address is, is rgdhickory, that's H-I-C-K-O-R-Y, rgdhickory at comcast.net. So they can always uh, um, make their comments or send their questions Good. to me. Well, they have, they'll have more. It just takes a little bit sometimes. Sure, uh, sure. So other, other questions? Hello? Maybe they're having having difficulty. Hello? Hello? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Yes, Um, this is Brenda Hepler in uh, Oakland, California. And um, I personally like the idea. I mean, you know, this this seems to be um, 
a wonderful approach to uh, bringing the laity in a participatory role because and some people yes we have been passive however we've never been given an opportunity to be anything but passive so i really feel that uh, the big, a big step is um just getting people to the the laity to feel um that they're qualified and i don't think the church overall has given the laity that type of feeling and so that would be my not so much a question but a um a comment on how the culture I think we're, you know, we're doing a major culture change here. And so how do we go about <clears throat> making the culture change enough so that this plan is more acceptable? And one of them, the means, is to give greater validity to the Spirit of God within the laity. And I think one example of this is that in the English version of the Mass itself, we talk about the spirit within the priest, but we never mention the spirit within the laity. And that's just, to me, one little incident instance of um, that we just are not good enough. And I think that's some... we The, the um, hierarchy has to really, I think, mm. look, about, look at that and look at themselves. Thank well, you. you certainly make a, a valid point, and um, but I, I think more and more uh, uh, lay people are becoming more active in their, in their parishes, and at least at least on some of the parishes around around me, uh, I know that people are are uh, taking a more participatory approach to, uh, to to their parishes. But it's going to be a struggle, no question about it, and uh, it's going to it'll take time. But I think first of all, we have to get. The ideas out there. How many people actually know about teams of elders? I, I, I would right. imagine very, very few. And so, yeah, if I we think can get... I'm, you're getting the word out, and that's step number one, and that's great. That's right. Thank you. This is Bill Daly. Go ahead, uh, Bill. Uh, Bill. Yeah, hi. Well, uh, very good talk, uh, Father Douche. And um, I'm wondering, you mentioned deacons once. Uh, you know, a couple times in your talk, and, and I'm, I'm wondering if there are a lot of parishes that have several deacons, and I'm, and I'm wondering if that would be a place to start. I, I know that that's not really exactly what you have in mind with the team, you know, the parish team, but but that that would be a, a group that would maybe be a little more acceptable to bishops. Um, and would that be a place to start the process of trying to? You know, set up the, um, the 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 program that you're talking about. Yeah, I think I did mention that in my talk that there are um, uh, I, don't, I don't know how many thousands of deacons there are in the United States. They're they're already uh, able to baptize. Of course, they preach and do a number of things. So so uh, I I think they're ready. I think they're ready to be a a, a member of the teams of elders. And they're qualified. Uh, the, the people see the, accept them uh, in our in our parishes. I, I think that could be the first place where where we could begin, if the bishops so, were. So the idea then would be that um, they would really take on the role of the Eucharistic ministry for you know for some masses entirely. No priest priest there at all. You know, properly trained and ordained and everything, obviously, but 
And, and I think they, the idea of ordaining them as elders is a good idea rather than priests. They're not really going to be exactly the full priests, but they will be That's like right. presbyters or elders. But go That's ahead. Right. Go ahead. That's right. They, they would be elders. And, um, they, they they would do uh, as I said. There would be uh, there are two different roles: you know, the role of the full-time priest and the role of the teams of elders. And right now, the uh, uh, of course the uh, deacons are ordained ministers. And I think all the pope has to do is say, well, now I I, I will also I'll ordain you now to uh, so you have the faculties to to say mass and and um, and do all the other things that the, the priest can do that especially anointing the sick. I find, I find that's one of the, the, the huge needs of, uh, of of people here in the United States, especially we have so many elderly people in personal care homes, and the people there uh, are not receiving the Eucharist uh, they, uh, as they should be. So, so I, th- I think the deacons can become elders, but uh, of course the uh, the church would have to legislate all of that. Okay. Um. Father Duce, I have a question. This is Deb Rosmilovic. Um, I have a two-part question, two questions really. So, how do you, how do you, do you, is this model exclusively male elders? Is that uh, a strategy issue? Um, it, 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 like, what can we actually get done? Is or uh, so you know, as a woman in the church who uh, doesn't necessarily feel called to ordination anyway, but but it's certainly what uh, you know. This is part of our work to see more women integrated. So there, that's one question. But the and the other is kind of related. So this this uh, team of elders solves a local problem if you, if it would come through, if it would be in, um, put in place. But what about governance? Uh, how do people move through that chain? Where you know uh, because I think one of the other big problems with the current model is that women are automatically excluded from governance uh, roles. And so the very way that church teaching takes shape or can, you know, of course there's, you know, but these things help, they're shaped by the, you know, half of the population and, and then even less than that because it's, the, you know, just a very uh, elite group of people. So how does this model or does it or can it, uh, you know, Solve any of those other questions around governance. Um, first of all, the uh, uh, <clears throat> Bishop Beloger believes that the uh, uh, the first step uh, in regard to women is that they uh, should become deacons or deaconesses, and once that step takes place, then it can uh, just automatically uh, move into into the priesthood. And so that's where the governance comes in as well. So once they're deaconesses, they, they will have more authority, they will have more control and power in, in, in the church. And eventually he believes that, you know, in, the, in, this, in this model, that they could eventually become uh, full ordained priests or they can become elders uh, as well. And uh, uh, But that, that's a tough road to hoe, as you, as you well know. But, mm-hmm. uh, but, 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 he, but he sees it. As, uh, in, in a, uh, as taking steps, the first step is deaconesses, and then, and then maybe uh, elders. That women can be elders, and they can also become priests. That's that's how that's why he sees it. Okay, thank you. So I think we can take maybe one or two more questions. So, other questions? Um, do I have the floor? My name is Finbar Kaur from um, 
Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Am okay. I on the air? Yes, you are. Go ahead. Ask okay. a question. I, I'm, I'm a, a resigned Catholic priest, and I, I agree 100% with what Father Duge is saying and would have my support. Because when I was a pastor in New Jersey, I had a, first I had a background as a marriage and family therapist, and I worked besides with families. I was a therapist for priests and nuns with emotional problems. So when I was appointed suddenly as pastor in the Rugby Parish in Madison, New Jersey, I came in and announced that I was not going to be head honcho, that I would create a... My goal was to create a post-Vatican II parish with lay people participating with us in the administration of the church. And I have to say, without taking up the whole time tonight, it was a fantastic response. And over nine years, like the lay people took over running finances, lay people to youth ministry and all of that. It looked like I was busy, but I was just facilitating it all happening. So it's it's... I believe the lay people are ready for this, and also Pope Francis. I believe he is waiting for it to come from the bottom up. And when these requests come in, as a will from Brazil and other countries for ordaining very poverty, I think it's going to happen. So I I I, I really enjoyed the presentation tonight. Thank you, Father. Oh, you're very welcome. Peace. Thanks for your comments. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One more question. Anybody else have a question? Okay. All right. Well, we're going to call it an evening then. Um, I thank you so much, Father Duch. That was such a very clear, clear presentation. It really crystallized for me because I've I've read the book, but to hear it in that clear fashion was very, very helpful. So thank you so much. I think I think this is a model that we certainly could and should promote and. I know Future Church will be considering how we can lead and help uh, develop a campaign just as you talked about it. So um, I just want to, I have just a couple of announcements. I just 